1: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
0: Hi, this is Vivi Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. And speaking of books, I have two of my own books coming out this spring and summer. Princess Charming is a picture book, which debuts on April 19th, and Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature comes out on July 1st and it is truly a labor of love. I hope you'll pre-order, order and join me on tour as I go across the country. You can find out more at zibbyowens.com or bookendsmemoir.com and you can follow me on Instagram at zibbyowens because I always post about everything. Enjoy the show. Nina Navisky is the author of The Fortune Cookie Writer as well as the novel A Mosaic of Grace. She's the proud mom of two teenagers, one of whom has profound autism, intellectual disability, and severe behavioral challenges. Prior to writing, she worked as a speech-language pathologist, helping children with developmental disabilities improve their communication skills. She holds a master's degree in speech-language pathology from GW and a bachelor's degree in psychology from Emory. Her fascination with language and human behavior is lifelong and inspires her to create family dramas rich with emotion and steeped in real-world issues. Welcome, Nina. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss The Thank Fortune you. Cookie Writer, a novel. Thank you. Thank you. So happy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Nina, first of all, please tell everybody the plot, like what this book is about, and then how you came up with the idea for the story. And I want to talk about the approach of you're deciding to write fiction versus memoir for different characters and the inspiration and just all the good stuff that's a oh, lot that's a big question <laughs> <laughs> okay let's start with what the book's about what's this book about okay so
2: sure so the book opens and we meet marissa she has been blindsided by divorce and she's determined to support her young son and she believes him to be musically gifted and he's burdened by a secret. Marissa's juggling three jobs, one of which is freelance fortune cookie writing.
0: <laughs> which I loved. And-, <laughs> and I love, I love how each chapter has a different fortune at the top. And I love her going to the library and like researching the different fortune, like different quotes to adapt into fortune cookies, and the whole thing. Well, that's my
2: town library. And I went to oh, that library. Gosh.
0: And so, so that is in fact,
2: very true. So that's taken from life, but Marissa is barely skating by with those three jobs. And so one day she bumps into a stranger in her building and that stranger offers to pay her cook, to pay, to cook dinners for Rose. Who's an elderly widow who lives one floor down from her. And Marissa has doubts about this, but she really needs the cash. And so she accepts, but it turns out this is a far more difficult proposition than she expected. Rose is not a sweet old lady. She is cranky. She lapses into Yiddish. And she really has no interest in visits from an unfamiliar neighbor. And so Marissa perseveres, and she soon discovers clues about Rose's past. She finds an old piano that isn't used, but is still in tune. And she finds a lock case with an unbreakable code and three photos with an inscription. And so she solves these mini mysteries about Rose's life. She, I would say, she begins to see her present through the prism of Rose's past. And that allows her to see her son's anguish. And it allows her to learn how to create good fortune for the three of them.
0: I love it. I loved the image, by the way, of her trying to figure out the code to the lockbox. And then I was wondering, I'm like, did you then Google? <laughs> like, she's obviously trying to tell us like how to crack the code for a lockbox and, <laughs> and like how many combinations. And it was said you said something like after yeah. seven hundred tries, I gave up. And I was like, what?
2: Yeah, I Googled you Google some really strange things when you're writing a book. And I also had to Google a lot of the scenes in Greece. And so I was looking for pictures. And then of course, you want pictures from different angles. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up looking at TripAdvisor photos. And then TripAdvisor would not leave me alone. Kept saying, <laughs> book your trip to Greece, book your trip to Greece. I was like, I'm not going. Wish I was going. But <laughs> so these are the things that happen to you when you're writing a novel.
0: Did you base the the handsome ex-husband on somebody in particular? No, I did not. I mean, my
2: my husband is handsome, but he is not based
0: on. <laughs> I know, I'm like, who is this like Mediterranean guy with this? Anyway, I know, I'm like, also, let's talk about the sun cuz I feel like Owen is a huge character in the book and everything from his ability to hear music and be able to recreate it to some of the behavioral things that start percolating. And as the mom in the book, Marissa is slowly realizing that things might have more, that these individual behaviors might be a part of a bigger piece. So talk a little bit about that. About the character of Owen. Yeah, about the character of Owen. And I read your article in Authority Magazine about your own son and how you've, your experience with your own son and his Anyway, talk, just go, go there. Just go. Talk about
2: sons in general. <laughs> just about sons
0: in general. Or how did you decide to make Owen the character starting with the tapping and the rituals at nighttime and as his behaviors sort of progress? Also, even how you deal with that with an ex-husband who you're not getting along with when a child starts having an issue, which you did such a good job. I mean, you're the, sorry, I'm like rambling here, but the way you depicted the ex-husband relationship and like the fury and I mean, it, and this, the, oh my gosh, it was so good. It was just so, so good oh, from the dialogue yeah. to the inner monologue. Um, but anyway, <laughs> let's go back to Owen oh, the son and, you know, and even how you depicted the realization and how parents pick up on these little things and when you know it's an issue versus when to ignore and all of that.
2: So, my older son has profound autism. And so, And what that means is he is on the severe end of the spectrum. Uh, He is also, he is minimally verbal. He also has, he's severely intellectually disabled and he will need 24 seven care the rest of his life. He also has challenging behaviors, which sounds like I'm not going to bed, but that's not what challenging behaviors means for autism he can be self-injurious. He can be violent. There can be property destruction. He also has a host of medical, you know, concomitant medical conditions. That is what I wrote about in my first novel. And so that wasn't really going to work in this novel because it had to be symptoms that Owen could hide for a while. And you really can't hide that. Mm -hmm. But what I could take it from it, which is my older son does have types of obsessive compulsive issues. Mm -hmm. And In autism, they're just called uh, repetitive behaviors. But the thing is, you don't really know what kids with autism are obsessing about because they can't tell you. So, you know, with kids who aren't autistic, they can tell you, uh, depending on how how much language they have, but those symptoms are my son's symptoms. He does temperature test the floor. He does touch the walls. He does have all those symptoms, and it was interesting because when I was reading about how to write it for a child who does not have autism, what was said was they often young children often explain it as I just have to do it until it feels right, mm-hmm. and I thought oh, that is what my son would say to me if he had those words, because. You know, my husband, for example, once took him after he had, you know, cut his hand on a broken window and they were outside the ER. And at that point, he had an issue where he had to sit down the street, stand up, sit down the street, stand up. And they're in front of the ER and he's bleeding and ambulances have to get by. And he's sitting down, standing up, sitting down, standing up. And he wouldn't stop. And there was no amount of conjoling that could get him out of there, they could promise him this, they could promise him that, they could explain that he couldn't be in the street, they could do anything, but he had to do it until it just felt right. There's something internal that has to happen. And so I can explain the symptoms very well. I've seen that, I've seen the broken walls, I've seen all of that. So that was very easy for me to explain in terms of how parents react to it and the, oh, now it all makes sense. That is also, I think, something that happens with parents independent of what the diagnosis is lots of times of, oh, that's right.
0: That's what that means. Now I get it. I think that happens with parents a lot. Wow. That's a lot for you to manage, like with your son. I am I mean, how does it help? Have you been writing about it and does that help? How do you, have you, do you have a community of, of other people who have been going through something similar? Like, how does that So, you know, my, and I don't mean to pry. We don't have to talk about it.
2: No, 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 no. That's what brought me into writing. So I was not the child who had a diary all the time and wrote stories and was constantly, you know, constantly writing. And, you know, in my head, what happened was my older son at 11 became so self-injurious and so violent that we couldn't keep him safe and we couldn't keep the family safe. And so he needed to go to a residential school, which is a boarding school for kids with challenging behaviors and autism, severe autism. And it was the greatest blessing of our lives. It is an amazing place stuffed with wonderful people. But at that time, it felt like such a failure, such a failure. And we didn't know, you know, were we sending him to a place? What if he got abused? He would never be able to tell us. It was such a leap of faith. And so I began writing and I began sort of giving my problems to other people. And I didn't want to write it from my perspective. I think the wounds were too fresh and just from a, also a, Another perspective, I didn't really have a platform to sell a memoir to. And so I gave my problems to someone very unlike me and told it from a grandfather's perspective and wrote a a broad story from, you know, uh, families that were enmeshed over 30 years. And it, it helped me deal with issues. And then I was able to move on to writing another novel and found that I really liked it as a process.
0: What was your first novel called? A Mosaic of Grace. Mosaic of Grace. Wow. I love how you've included the grandparent generation in both. Yeah. The elderly. I never noticed that. (laughs) Oh, well, there you go. (laughs) No, I love these feisty older characters. I don't know. I was so close with my own grandmother that I feel like when I read books and I reconnect with older women, I mean, she wasn't as as cranky as as Rose and I don't (laughs) think kept a lot of secrets. Um, She was like an open book. But if I handed her a lasagna and a tin thing, she might roll her eyes <laughs> and be like, all right, you couldn't bring the glass or, you know, anyway. So no, I, and I don't know. I think about it like a movie, like how there aren't, are there enough roles for older women? Da, da, da. It's almost the same in fiction, right? Are there enough? I love seeing strong roles of older people. Anyway, whatever. You did a good job is all I'm trying to say. Oh, thank, I'm, you. Not thank doing, you. I'm not doing a good job even saying it. <laughs> You also, and I don't know if this was another of your Google searches, but you seem to know what you're talking about with the piano. Do you play the piano? Are you a music person yourself or what?
2: I do not know anything about the piano.
0: Oh my gosh. Okay.
2: (laughs) You fooled me. (laughs) I'm glad. (laughs) Yeah. Google comes in very handy. (laughs) I know what I'm talking about with Yiddish because uh, my grandparents were Holocaust survivors and I grew up with a lot of Yiddish. So I think that was part of wanting to sort of hear that again. My grandparents were not cranky (laughs) like Rose is cranky. But I think I wanted to hear that again in my life, which is part of the character of Rose. But no piano. I can't claim to know that.
0: What was their, can you share their story? I can, I I
2: don't know it well. And I didn't know it well enough to write a whole novel about it. But I do know that when my grandmother and my grandfather got married on the last day that it was legal for Jews to get married, they were in Austria. (laughs) And my grandmother ended up going to the Polish embassy, because my grandfather was originally Polish, and they got a list of, I believe, the addresses of all the people whose last name was the same in New York and wrote and asked for visas, and they got... Three responses, and two were for my grandfather to marry the daughter and leave my grandmother behind. And one was yes. And that incredibly kind man ended up sending visas for my entire extended family. And because of that, I, there are now second cousins and third cousins all here. And my mom's middle name is after him.
0: Oh, that's amazing. It's a lovely story. Yeah. I had family in Austria. That's where my grandfather on one side came from. I feel like every, you know, it's like every country, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that's what happens. it was an exodus. Yeah. Well, tell me about the process of writing this book. How long did it take? Where did you, like, what's your, did you write in the town library? Do you actually have a coffee shop called Common Grounds? Because I love that.
2: We actually have a coffee shop, but it's not called Common Grounds because I didn't. I didn't ask them in advance if I could use their name, but it is in that same spot. <laughs> and so, yeah, I made up the name for them. But that is how our ta- our um, the town common is laid out. And the library isn't exactly in that direction from it. And I do use the library, but I do mostly write from home in the mornings. And how the process of, of writing works is I just like to write in the mornings mostly. And I'm not prolific. I don't crank a book out every six months. <laughs> wish I could, but it takes me longer than that. And uh, I don't know, this one I did write in, I do remember going to the library and thinking, I, I did write this one in more of a linear fashion. And I remember with my last book, there were more sort of episodic things that I needed to then construct and put together since it was more nonlinear, but this one came out in one strip, which was nice.
0: Wow. And are you working on anything now? So, my next one
2: is I don't, I'm thinking maybe not memoir, but a memoir hybrid, if there is such a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to return to autism, mm-hmm. profound autism, but I feel that it's not that I want to share my story. It's that I want to share because I feel that it's not my story that's important, it's my story and the tapestry of stories that are related to it. So there is a school that my son could make it to, but those schools are very rare. So my story is intricately connected to the family who has a son just like mine, but there was no school to go to. And so their son was in and out of psych wards or the family who had to consider giving up parental rights to maybe get their son's services. Mm. It's intricately connected to The people who saw the need for a school, those amazing people and started one or the incredible direct service professionals who see the humanity in my child and work with him every day. And so I would love to make some small contribution towards changing Public perception that sounds so grandiose, but I think what is seen in the media is not reality. So I don't know if that's possible as a
0: self publisher, but that is the ideal, certainly. I think that's great. I think that's great. I can see, you know, it's the, there's also something called auto fiction. I'm not entirely sure what it is, but everybody keeps talking about it. <laughs> but I think it's like a blend to what you're talking about, but hybrid. But yours is more like non fiction, almost like an expose of families. You could almost have it like, Well, anyway, it sounds really, it sounds poignant and interesting and and a story that should be told. So (laughs) it's great. What's your favorite fortune cookie line from the book? Oh,
2: I mean, so the final one, I can't remember all of them (laughs) to be exact. Like uh, my actual fortune, the actual, I can't remember the actual fortunes, but I can tell you that the last fortune is the one that is the one that gives meaning to the whole book. And so The Last Fortune, which I think is roughly, if your neighbor's plate isn't full, the most delicious plum will taste like rotten fish. It's something to that extent. Mm -hmm. And that is basically the point of the book, that this friendship that Marissa and Rose makes is what's necessary for them. Their friendship is what's necessary for them to move forward. So
0: I don't know if that was the funniest one, but it was the one that was the crux of the book. Love it. Amazing. Do you have any advice for aspiring authors? I know you wrote five things that are like really important to have as part of this article I read, but (laughs) yeah. Um, so I have one,
2: well, I have one really quirky thing that I do, which I don't know if it will work for anyone else, but it's one weird thing I do that I don't know if it's just my mind, but it really works for me, which is Whenever I can't figure something out in a book and I'm just really stuck, I stop working on it and I think about it right before I'm going to bed. I just repeat what the problem is over and over and over again. And then when I wake up in the morning, sometimes the problem is fixed. And I think it's just because you're... Conscious mind has too many no's in it, you know, and you have to go to the place where there can be a polka dot sky for the problem to be fixed. That's just might be a weird quirk of me. But in terms of just a regular piece of advice, I would say the rules of writing are the rules because, you know, there have been plenty of great people who have come before you, but sometimes they can be tweaked a little bit. I mean, I know. The rules are don't use at don't use adverbs, but sometimes you need an adverb, you know. <laughs> so that's what I would say.
0: Amazing. Well, Nina, thank you. Thank you for your patience while we scheduled this from so long ago and that it finally arrived. I'm really glad I got to spend time with your book and your characters and you know the this little family and also to be so amused by the ex-husband divorce angle, which we didn't talk enough about, but was like so awesome for anybody who's going through a divorce or has been through a divorce. And I have been through a divorce, so I'm not going to comment on my own relationship, but all to say this is a, uh, it was, it was great to see it in fiction, the way some of the challenges present themselves.
2: Oh, well, it was so lovely to speak with you. And I'm so glad to hear you say that because that's something I haven't experienced. And so I'm glad to
0: hear you and to have heard some of my friends say that it was displayed authentically. That's a wonderful, a wonderful compliment. So I was sure you were divorced. I was like, oh, she must have gone through that. I'm like, she's (laughs) processing all this stuff. And you're like, no, I'm happily married. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you for that. compliment. Next time. Um, I feel like your dedication should have been to your Google searches or whatever it is (laughs) that made you so knowledgeable on all these things. Uh, Thank you, Google. Yes. Thank you, Google. Okay. Check out Moms Don't Have Time to Write on Medium. And, of course, my new publishing company called Zivi Books. And now back to our daily author interview site and a quick hello from some of my kids. Hi. Hi. Hello. Enjoy the show.
1: Planning for your next trip?